Hello and welcome. Today I'm going to be discussing domestic violence and my topic is an unsafe house is not a home. So I have a trigger warning that if anything that is related to domestic abuse, domestic violence does upset you to the point that you need outside support immediately, I would suggest that um, you possibly do not listen to this right now you might not be in the space to be accepting of the information that's here if not and you feel that you are in a good place and you are able to listen please do so this is going to be a bit of a long topic but i believe it to be an important one it outlines certain behaviors which could be a sign of domestic violence it does not go into what you can do but rather what to be aware of when we know the warning signs or red flags, we can take action faster, be it for ourselves or to support a friend or family member, as abuse often follows patterns. This is not to say that it's for you to decide when a victim of domestic violence, and I use the word victim because a crime is being perpetrated against this person, should leave. It is up to them. They know their situation best and when it is safest for them to leave. Because often in relationships where there is domestic abuse, it can often escalate Escalate if the perpetrator realizes that the victim is even thinking of leaving. So the first thing I'm going to discuss is what does it take to make a safe home? A safe home is a space where you're supported and support each other. So growth as an individual and as a family unit are encouraged in the home. So by using non-violent communication, positive reinforcement, and where you have support from within and outside the home. This is key, support from outside the home as well. It takes dedication by both partners to make a safe home. So a safe home does not accept abuse, any kind of violence or controlling behavior in it. It is loving, kind, supportive, caring and understanding. So if you experience abuse or violence, be it emotional, psychological, physical, or even financial, then it is not a safe home that you or your children are living in, if you have. So we view wellness in relationships as a whole, not parts of it. And I firmly believe any of the above coercive behaviors are totally unacceptable. Myself, as a survivor of domestic abuse, can tell you that it starts off small and it does escalate so a safe home gives you space to make your own social plans a safe home is filled with honesty and integrity a safe home is free from abuse a safe home is free from hurt a safe home is free from violence a safe home accepts that you're an individual. A safe home gives you space to express your own thoughts and feelings. A safe home is free from sexual violence. A safe home is free from sexual abuse. A safe home gives you space to make your own social plans. And lastly, a safe home is filled with honesty and integrity. Again, I'll say it. 
So what is domestic violence or abuse? So when we think of domestic abuse, we often think about physical violence. However, there are many types of abuse and it does not discriminate. So all genders and relationships can experience it. So regardless of your culture, race, socioeconomic circumstances, education or religion. So this transcends relationship status from marriage, cohabiting, dating, and even those who have already left the relationship. So there are types of controlling behavior, which is also deemed as abuse. So this can be instilling fear or forcing someone to behave a certain way. Domestic abuse is a violation of the victim's rights. It can be a subtle emotional manipulation to full physical violence against the victim. All of these can have long-term effects on the victim's mental, emotional and physical being. So we as a society must acknowledge that this happens and should not dismiss or ignore any abuse, no matter how minimal, as the impact to the victim and society as a whole is truly devastating. Because often abuse is repeated generation after generation if if it is ignored and accepted as part of everyday life. It is not acceptable under any circumstances. So here I'm going to address physical abuse because this is the most obvious form of abuse and it almost always is accompanied by other forms of abuse. So a perpetrator of domestic abuse who might not be physically violent often turns to physical violence when they know that the victim is planning to leave, as I've already said. All their sphere of control is slipping. Another major trigger is when a woman is pregnant or after giving birth. This is often a critical time and does not only affect the mother, it also affects the unborn child or baby directly or indirectly through stress on the mother. So physical abuse takes many forms and can include, but it's not limited to, slapping, punching, pushing and shoving, burning, Burning could be anything with a cigarette or a car lighter, even a match. It is not acceptable. Choking. This is a big one because once a person chokes you, the likelihood that they could kill you increases drastically. Um, Sleep deprivation because it causes confusion as well. Threatening you with weapons or using them against you. Forcing you to use alcohol or drugs against your will. And does not let you seek medical help if it is from injuries they've inflicted or for an existing medical condition. And the final point here is harming children who are in the home. The next one is control and isolation. So perpetrators of domestic abuse use controlling behavior to maintain their position of power over their victims. As I said before, using the word victim here does not mean that you are helpless or weak in any way. It means that a crime has been committed against you. So there's a direct correlation between these methods of control and escalating violence. So physical violence may or may not happen. And if it does, it might not be a daily occurrence, but it is a cycle and it almost always starts with some other form of controlling behavior or abuse. So one of the easiest ways that perpetrators ensure control is by using isolation tactics. It starts slowly with the victim being kept away from friends and family and withdrawing from social events or even from working. It is through suggestions to the victim that family or friends might not know what is best for the victim and also coercing or forcing the victim to stop working. This often leads to other forms of abuse such as total isolation 
emotional, financial and character assassination as the victim doesn't socialize, so does not get to hear what's being said about them. So they cannot defend themselves against these allegations. These are two, but name a few. So control includes such things as the abuser organizing the daily routine of the victim, making sure that they do not have access to a telephone or internet connection, no access to transportation, and the abuser is their only means of getting out of the house. So this is a common occurrence and very prevalent in situations where the victim has a disability which affects them, their mobility as well. So the abuser may frequently come home unexpectedly or stay out for prolonged periods of time. So not informing the victim of where they're going or what time they intend to come back. So this cre creates a few scenarios, such as anxiety. It doesn't leave a window to leave safely or to have visitors to the home. Isolation stops the victim from often meeting their own needs of friendship and support. Because we all need that emotional support from outside. A victim can often also isolate themselves for fear of further abuse or because of perceived embarrassment or shame associated with revealing the abuse. In a healthy relationship, people do tend to communicate their whereabouts or their comings and goings, not specifically what they're doing, but if you care for somebody, you do tell them, I'll be back at 10 or I shall see you later before 2 or etc. This is balanced on, on who's ever in that relationship. That is healthy and it's also good communication. So the following point is uh, sexual abuse. So sexual abuse, as with other forms of abuse, can vary from verbal to physical sexual assault. With sexual abuse, the victim is often forced into performing sexual acts, which they do not want to. So being forced to dress a certain way, watching pornography or involving them in sexual activities with other people against their will. Having their sexual needs or feelings regarding sex absolutely ignored. Abusers often demand sex and have a sense of entitlement and can use very aggressive behavior. They can use verbal assaults to convince the victim that they owe them because they're in a relationship with them or they have spent money on the victim. So another tactic is to ignore the victim as a form of punishment or continuing to pressure the victim after the victim has clearly indicated no. So even when a victim is ill or after the abuser has hurt them, they are forced to by the abuser by be using insults or calling them names which have sexual connotations, physically holding the victim down as well. So many of these acts are legally classed as rape under the law. Sexual abuse can also include the perpetrator using objects to assault. Sexual abuse is also treating the victim like an object, a possession to use. So forcing the victim to have unsafe sex and sometimes passing on sexually transmitted diseases or with it resulting in unwanted pregnancies. So these are some of the signs of sexual abuse. Next one is emotional abuse and intimidation. So emotional abuse can be very subtle. Also with passive aggressive tones, they can be belittling or humiliating the victim's efforts in work, home, education or even parenting by criticizing and undermining them and also attacking, attacking their self-confidence. So it can be directly threatening, such as threatening to have the victim's children taken away, the abuser threatening to kill themselves 
or the victim or their children. So the abuser might also use statements or information which the victim confided in them about against them or threaten to tell others. So ignoring or otherwise stonewalling the victim, not speaking to them for prolonged periods of time. So it's crazy making or gaslighting the victim by the abuser, stating that they're going to do something positive and not following through with it, and then denying that they ever said it. Another crazy making tactic is hiding objects in the house or deleting messages and stating that the victim needs psychiatric help, that they are losing their memory or mentally unstable. So under this, we've also got verbal abuse can be separate from, but is almost always in line with emotional abuse and intimidation. So we've got threats of humiliation, name calling, insults, false accusations, and victim blaming are all emotional abuse as well. So shouting, screaming, yelling are all forms of intimidation along with threats to assault. The next uh, sign of possible abuse is financial abuse. So abusive partners often control finances in the home and they use this as a form of control and abuse against their victims. So some examples of financial abuse can include, but again are not limited to, making the victim pay their earnings into the abuser's account and refusing access to money by the victim, not sharing information regarding the victim's own bank account statements, using the victim's money without their knowledge, taking money on a promise with no intention of paying it back, not contributing to the household and refusing to work, forcing the victim to work extended hours, often with no access to their own funds. Another thing is taking out credit in the victim's name, sometimes without their knowledge. This doesn't happen so much in the UK, but I know in the US it's uh, quite a big issue, especially if couples married. So the next one is stalking, monitoring and technology abuse. Um, so stalking and monitoring are commonly beha- behaviours by abusers. It can happen during the relationship and even after the victim has left the relationship. So stalking and monitoring put the victim in a high-risk situation, especially if they've already left the perpetrator. So some forms of the stalking behaviour are following the victim, breaking into the victim's home or car, leaving messages or other items on the victim's property, malicious or ongoing phone calls, hanging up before answering, leaving constant messages, silent calls, and also calling from different numbers if they have been blocked, and monitoring when the victim is at work or at home. Another thing is filing court cases against the victim because this can use up the victim's resources and it's um, to harass them. Another thing is reporting fake incidents to the police. Again, we're talking about resources and time and harassment. Um, Violating restraining or no contact orders. Destroying the victim's property, injuring and killing pets while the victim is not home. If something like that happens, we're going back, it's similar to strangulation. If someone strangles you, the likelihood that they're able to kill you escalates. It's so quick from that point on. Um, It's not something to be left, it is something to address if um, the victim has already left the the perpetrator. So some forms of this monitoring behaviour, the victim is made to report to the abuser 
all the abusers check the victim's emails, telephone and text communications, checking the mileage on the car, checking the amount of fuel used, making sure the victim doesn't have time for themselves. This um, also falls under where we're talking about their emotional support, not having time to go and look after themselves or interact with others. Uh, monitoring computer and internet use, using the victim's GPS, even phone location to to find them to to know where they're at and demanding all passwords and access to all accounts this is definitely not reasonable in a healthy relationship there should be a certain level of trust and with this trust you don't need access to everything when you reach that point you need to seriously question what is this relationship about sometimes all of us have been in a situation or many of us have where we've had our suspicions about certain things that are happening, but that's no reason for anybody to demand access to what is personal to you. The following point is uh, rather disturbing, but it, it is unfortunately a fact, is using children. So the abuser might use their own children or that of the victims as a means of control or perceived punishment against the victim. So some forms of abuse include having the children report back to the abuser about what the victim might have said or done, to have the children act as a spy on behalf of the, the victim here, instead of using the victim directly. So this can be used as a form of control and monitoring for the victim and for the children. So sadly, the statistics for sexual abuse of children are increased when there is violence in the home. The abuser might threaten to physically harm the child or force them to watch the abuser harm the adult victim, they might sexually abuse children as a means of controlling the home as well. So I'm going to talk about mental health and abuse. So many adults and children who've suffered domestic abuse have experienced depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, all forms of anxiety or other related mental health issues. The effects of the abuse do not always stop when we leave. But with the help of a good therapist or psychologist, we can often come to a place of understanding ourselves and why we feel the way we do. So healing takes time, just know that. And with holistic approaches, which cover all areas of your being, emotional, physical, and treat you as a whole, you can gain confidence and strength again. So the more you know your rights, the more you can assist in your own protection. So as a survivor of domestic violence, I know that negative challenges you can be facing and how to overcome these by demanding your rights from the relevant authorities as well. So I hope that's helped to get you to an understanding of what an unsafe house is. And um, as I said, these are not the steps of action you can take, but it is just to raise awareness. Because sometimes you might be double-guessing yourself and wondering, what, what kind of situation am I in, or my friend, or my family member? And it doesn't always make sense. But when you start to understand how it's all put together, you can see what does make a safe home and where a person is not in a safe home. So I hope that helps and thank you very much for listening.